Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations, a free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Headlines? There's been a few, probably as many off the field as on it. With boots on, graceful, athletic, a winner, his resume is all-time. There's another side to this guy too, a side that has changed dramatically and positively. I'll let him tell you. But who is Darius Boyd? It's a hard question. Um, I've changed a lot over the years, I know that. Um, Learned a lot about myself. Um, Worked on myself a lot, which I'm very proud of and... I like to think now I'm probably just, you know, pretty carefree, easygoing guy, loves family, loves his daughters, his wife, and not much else happens for me, you know. I love helping people, do a lot of mental health space. It's um, something I'm passionate about. I enjoyed my time in rugby league, and now I'm excited to see what other things I can do in the world and life. Describe me a young Darius. What were you like as a kid? Oh, my young, young years, I was, you know, pretty happy, I think, easygoing kid, and then somewhere along the lines, I've got you know quite introverted and yep. um a bit um sour on the world and it felt like i was a bit hard done by and a few mm. different reasons and um but yeah i'm glad i finally found myself again i guess and, and and like i said before worked on myself and um got back to that happy kid i guess you've spoken about living with your mum your grandmother throughout your childhood as well as friends families as we sit here in 2021 can you look back and see how you've built a certain level of resilience that perhaps may have formed way back then? Yeah, I talk about my past a lot, I suppose, the things I do with the mental health space. And on one hand, my childhood was, you know, challenging and um, led me to have some obstacles later in life. But at the same time, uh, I think I did build a lot of resilience. And now that I've learned a bit about, you know, tips and tools and strategies of, you know, core mental health and what breeds resilience, I guess, I think... Um, that you know, early on bit of adversity really helped me for later in life and, and now for my family and, and having you know, children of my, my own that I can uh, talk to my eldest on the way home from school and ask of, you know, tell me three things you're grateful for each and every day so uh, I'm trying to instill some resilience at her in an yeah. early age albeit in a different way that I learned it but um, yeah I think it's something that I'm 
um, in a way I can be positive about and grateful for. And your life's busy, married, happily, three young daughters. Yeah, well, um, every time I tell people I've got three kids and then I, I say girls, they all start to seem to laugh. And they, <laughs> um, but yeah, end of the day, I mean, you know, it's something that they're, yeah, they're happy and healthy. That's mm. all you can ask for. And um, there's always you know challenges at, at any different ages. And um, yeah, but it's all you know, part of life and growth. And you know, I'm looking forward to just you know seeing them grow and and seeing them um, you know, become young adults and what personalities they all have. And and eventually, hopefully, them looking after me one day. A relatively unknown fact, you repeated year 12, not because you needed to scholastically, but because you didn't have a direct pathway into the NRL. That was your goal. That was your focus. It paid off. You made the Aussie school side your repeated year, and the Broncos came knocking, right? Yeah, it was, um, that was something I've said a few times, but um, probably doesn't sound you know, good for my academics. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was something that a lot of kids back then were doing three-year seniors, and yep. um, I didn't, I suppose, no people could do that or that was a part of you know something you could choose and come to year 12 I didn't have anything you know rugby league wise and you know you said that was you know my massive dream and mm. uh, probably put a lot of eggs into one basket and lucky it paid off but yeah that that was the best decision for me personally in the end it, you know I need another 12 months to grow and probably grow into my body and feel more confident and um you know I made the Australian schoolboys team which I haven't really I never made Queensland before that that year um oh. so I didn't even make my local rep, rep sides all growing through the, the juniors and uh, the Broncos gave me um, yeah, a scholarship and a one-year contract to go up there the following year, and rest is history, I guess. Best decision I definitely made for my rugby league career. Who approached you from the Broncos? What was the sales pitch? Um, well, I think it really it was Cyril, like Cyril Connell, yep. um, but I think uh, and Ivan Henjak was accompanying him at the time. Uh, Cyril was getting older, obviously, yeah. but um, I think Rod, Ron Patterson, my um, school coach at the time, who yes. I still keep in contact with, and he's a bit of a... It was just huge help for me in my early yep. early years and a bit of that, you know, Wayne mentor, role model type as well. Um, you know, I think he kind of pushed them into my direction as well. Mm. Uh, I think they had a scholarship left and they're like looking at who they should give it to and I think he tossed my name up and um, like I said, yeah, it was probably just something I needed to grow into my body physically mm. and I didn't need another 12 months. You know, there's kids at you know, 15 and younger that have, you know, Bulldogs and Dragons contracts, scholarships yep. and... I didn't didn't get noticed, so um, yeah, it was something that I think it was a mutual decision for both the school and the and the Broncos. Walking into a first grade setup, comfortable, uncomfortable, intimidating, relaxed. Oh, it was definitely challenging. It's um, I mean, my first experience into the club was a six day army camp. So I went to schoolies for a day or two, and then caught the train up to Brisbane, uh, staying at the Broncos' house. I think I unpacked my bags, and we were told, uh, as the whole squad was told, that as a camp up the Sunshine Coast, you know, bring your, your boardies and your surfboards and everything else. And we got to the Broncos uh, Red Hill facility and there was 30 army bags lined up, one to 30, numbered, you know, camouflage, you had to put your, your, your kit on with all the numbers as well. You couldn't call anyone by names, you're all by number. And this is unbeaten, you know, um, I don't think Lockie did it, but most of the other older guys did it. Yeah. We Webkey, you know, Corey Parker, Sean Berrigan, you know, all these type of guys, I'm meeting them for the first time um, in this wow. army style environment. Um, but again, I think, you know, end of the day of rugby league was my goal. It was something that I'd probably gone through harder things and adversity mm. through my childhood in different ways. So, you know, a little army camp, um, to you know, season myself into NRL was probably, uh, something I was managed to get through. You mentioned Shane Webke. It seems every young Bronco has a Shane Webke story. 
He was very much the benchmark of the Broncos. He was the standard bearer. He was very hard on the young blokes. Mm. What was your Shane Webke initiation? Um, a couple. I think one, yeah, his training, his work ethic. I remember we, uh, we did an amazing race around Brisbane one year and we had to do some you know, crazy things like scull a litre of custard before you could move on to the next oh. stage and then you had to run up, up and down all the flights of stair, uh, levels at Suncorp. Then we had to, you know, catch cabs and with no money, um, all to get back to, uh, I think Red Hill, the training facility. Yeah. Uh, and I remember, maybe there's custard, I don't know, but halfway through that run and that experience, I was um, you know, out the back and he was still up the front, leading the way and charging. He's probably had twenty or thirty kilos on me as well. So, um, but yeah, it was something that I suppose they had a level of a standard and a respect, yeah. and you had to you know, earn your respect and earn the trust of the group, um, which. Now, I didn't. I was, you know, like I said, an introverted kid, and I probably said hi and bye to him and Darren Lockyer and those type of blokes for for twelve months, and uh, probably didn't really, really feel comfortable until probably second and third year. I see a lot of Darren Lockyer in you, or you in Darren Lockyer. I haven't worked out which way it is. Were you too close? Did you model yourself on him in any way off the field? I think our personalities were probably similar. Mm. You know, um, he's someone that obviously worked very hard at. At his craft and what he did, and um, you know, when he was the captain and the leader, he was always you know, action, not so much words, yep. you know, or he'd give you a, an evil look, and you knew you knew you let him down, uh, which I'd probably did a few times when I was younger. Um, but more so, probably later years, um, you know, I've probably become you know, more confident and able to speak to some of the older guys. And as we played Origin and you know, rep teams yep. together, probably felt more comfortable talking to you know, someone of Darren Lockyer's um, ilk, I guess, and. Um, and then I suppose when I become the captain, I thought, you know, the captain I would be would be more of a, you know, I felt comfortable talking in front of the mm. group, but I wanted to be a leader and lead by example. And I thought, you know, that's kind of what Lockie did and that was kind of suited my you know, game and personality as well. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legends series. We have corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. For further information on how you can become part of the team, go to the website andyraymondunfiltered.com.au and hit the sponsorship tab. Sunday the 12th of March 2006, Suncorp Stadium versus the North Queensland Cowboys. 46,229 fans, debut day. Mm. Sadly, you copped an absolute thumping, but you scored a try on debut. What stands out from not only the day, but the week leading in? It was a couple of things. Um, I got to play myself and Steve Michaels were on the wings that game, and he was a, a, a guy from the Gold Coast. We yep. went to school together and we played oh, wow. with and against each other since we were probably seven or eight years old. That's cool. uh, he played the year before, debuted the year before, and uh, we ended up moving in together, so that was pretty cool. I think we got a photo. I've got it somewhere still uh, of me and him back to back with our Broncos jerseys on. Um, so that that was that was something I always remember. Obviously, scoring a try. We yeah. it was the only try we scored, and I think Matt Bowen and JT had a field day. But you know, for me to score a try in front of that pack stadium in my first game, I was you know pretty happy with that. And, and the last thing was that um, I thought was pretty special was that uh, they the Broncos organised for my grandmother to come up. Uh, I think they picked up picked her up in a limousine from her house, drove her up to the game, nice. sat her in a box. Uh, I think she might have even sat next to Trish Bennett, Wayne's wife, mm. um, which I, th- I think she you know always remembered and always appreciated. And, and for me, you know, I was very, very you know humble with that as well. So I think there's a couple of things I remember and I'm very grateful for that opportunity. Yeah, Grandma's been the one, hasn't she, for you? Yeah, oh, she's 
you know, time of need. Um, she you know, took me in and it wasn't easy. You know, she, yeah. didn't, she didn't drive a lot and I had to catch the buses and trains and you know, trying to still get to football training and rely on lifts and asking uh, she was probably in her mid-70s to you know, start packing lunches again for yeah. school and different things. Yeah, it was a challenge, but um, yeah, like I said, took me in at a time of need and you know, we become really, really close in um, her last probably 10 years of, of life. From schoolboy to superstar in six months, literally, what life adjustments were needed? What changed about you or with you? Yeah, well, firstly, I wouldn't say superstar, um, but I you're suppose, underplaying that, mate. Yeah, um, I suppose um, the hardest part, I guess, was just the you know, media and the attention. Yep. And you know, I was, like I said, an introverted kid, still a quiet guy. Um, I just wanted to play one game for the Broncos. That was my dream and passion. And and then to suppose see how it all, you know, what everything that comes with it and. There's some great things that come with rugby league, mm. and then there's some uh, not so yeah. enjoyable moments too. And um, like I said, I didn't have you know some role models and father figures around, so mm. I didn't really have anyone in, you know in my corner like really day in day out. You know, Wayne was there and he was great, and I learned on him a lot, and I learned a lot from Wayne. Um, but you know, he wasn't you know my father. He wasn't a, a role model, someone mm. that I could you know rely on day in day out and really get that you know kick up the backside if I needed or some really core cool advice in, in crucial times. So I think I struggled with you know, a lot of that in the early years. I was making it up as I went for myself personally yep. and as you know, times and different experiences come around, I'd just have to deal with it the way I knew best and probably wasn't the best way, mm. but I was making it up. And so, But it was, yeah, some good times as well. We were pretty successful in those early years, so they probably masked a lot of the challenges I had and it probably wasn't until I you know, had some failures in rugby league in particular that I probably felt that I could see, you know, some cracks starting to appear in, you know, my personality and my and my health, I guess. Did you change as a bloke? Do you have to change as a bloke going from complete anonymity to being recognised everywhere and being a a public figure? Yeah, for a long period of time I really had um a strange outlook on the way, you know, if people would, you know, just look at you in the street or a coffee yeah. shop or whatever, I didn't I used to think you know, what are they looking at? Why are they staring at me? I used to think negatively instead of yep. thinking they could be thinking positively. They could have just brushed past eyes. You don't even, they didn't even recognize you. You don't even know yeah. anything. But I always had that, you know, for different reasons, probably that negative outlook on certain situations. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, no, I just, and I'm probably still the same now. I mean, I'm someone that, you know, probably slipped into, you know, back into the real world and um, my rugby league was a past life and it was something yeah. that you don't really focus on too much but um so i was probably just a quiet guy that was happy to live a simple life and yep. then it's probably out of your control a little bit and i for a long period of time i think i try to hide myself away or i didn't want people to know about me or about my family or you know i didn't want to do a lot of media interviews and different things and in the end it become you know too draining and taxing i just had to you know kind of be open honest i had to change my you know, thought process my mentality mm. on a lot of things and I'm glad I did do that because, you know, I was able to grow. Rugby league was, you know, in one aspect, has been great that you're forced into situations, you know, with sponsors and, and you know, big environments with different people where you have to, you know, have to talk and open up and, yep. and, and, and grow and put yourself in, in um, situations you're probably not as comfortable being in. But um, I've got to be grateful for that to, you know, give you open your eyes to a big world out there and it's a lot bigger than just the rugby league community. Obvious next question, a first grade footballer is so much more than being an elite athlete for 80 minutes a week. The spotlight, 
the fans, the media, the sponsorship, the recognition, both positive and negative. Mm. It's more than 80 minutes of footy. Yeah, and I think the sooner you understand that and learn that, the better. You know, I think that when you understand it's, um, you know, I wanted to just play rugby league. I didn't understand or want any of the yep. things you just said, but that's part of it. It comes with it. It's how the game grows. Is why the fans are the fans. Why we have you know, so much money invested into the game, and um, why we all love it so much. So it's it's a part of it, and you've got to you know, do your part. Is almost these days it's probably bigger outside the eighty minutes than it is in the eighty. Yeah. If when you really think about it, um, so it's yeah, it's a part of it. It's something that um, again, it probably took me ten years in my career to really mm. understand and really come to terms with, and and I suppose do my part outside the 80 minutes i probably didn't do my part for a long time um but yeah it's it's part of it it's something that as soon as you can understand that and and make sure you're willing to you know take it all on board then the better you'll be the spotlight on a young nrl player the pressure on a young nrl player i actually think it's getting worse and i use nathan cleary um and sam walker as examples mm-hmm. two kids mm who are just expected to play at 9 out of 10 every week, which is an unachievable, unrealistic expectation. Yeah. Yeah, I think social media has a big part in that to play, you know, with uh, the access that, you know, everyone can get to you now. Yep. Usually when I, when I started, if you had a bad game, you'd probably read about it in the paper on Saturday mm. or Sunday and then, you know, Monday's a new new week. Mm. Uh, but now with, you know, Fox League and 24-7 talk shows, you need content to fill. Um, you know, so, like I said, social media, everyone has a, a chance to um, have their opinion and voice, good and bad. I'm um, not bagging either, but there's you know, pros and cons to both. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you said, yeah, well, these kids, you know, in, 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 those, posi- in those positions in particular, if you're in the halves, you know, it's hard to find good halfbacks and five eights these yeah. days, and 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 they're paid you know very well for it. Um, like you said, they're you know, 19, 18, 19, 21 year old kids. Mm. At the end of the day, uh, being paid big money on the biggest stage and expected you know to perform, you know, like I said, and and run their run their clubs and win games. And um, you know, sometimes I worry that you know the way the media works in some ways is that we you know, we pump them up when they're going so well, but we pump them up to a level that's unattainable, uh, yep. unsustainable, unachievable long term agreed and eventually you're going to have to be brought down and that's you know that's the challenge of professionals of sports in general these days with like I said the media outlets and whatnot. is that you've got to build a lot of resilience and have some good people around you to make sure that you can keep your feet you know level on the floor that make sure that you know you, uh, someone told me a good quote around that sports thing I thought it was always nice to remember is that you're never going as well as they say you are and, and you're never going as poorly either and I think that's a good way to put it because yeah. And they're t- t- telling you you're a superstar and you can't be stopped. You're probably not. And yeah. then, but at the same time, and they're telling you you should be dropped and, and kicked out and X, Y, and Z, then you're probably not at that level either. So it kind of just keeps you in that middle range somewhere. But again, it's great for the fans. I see it in a different light. When I watch, I'm a big fan of NFL and yep. I follow that. And I'm sure the NFL players hate all the content that's put on those you know, websites and different things where I'm you know, refreshing my phone every 10 minutes trying to see a new article about NFL. So yeah. I see it from a fan's perspective, but I mean, the players just got to be you know, really smart with how they handle it and how they understand those things these days. Let's go back to 2006, a wonderful year. Grand final, a grand final win. What stands out from GF Day? Is there one moment that's more special than the others? Brisbane teetering on the threshold of reversing that trend. Played by seven receiver, running from Dummy Hart, Berrigan, then it's with Lockie, and now it's with Parker, now it's away for Casey Maguire, loads it down the back, 
It's out for Lockyer. Lockyer away for Carroll. Carroll into Tate. Here's a try. Tate goes in. Did the corner post go? I don't think so. Brent Tate scores. Brent Tate scores. Um, I was probably just the week leading up, to be honest, mm. uh, especially that 2006 one. I was so you know, young and just riding the tails of you know, Lockyer and Webke and all those great players that we had. Um, so just... Being there for that whole week, having all the Broncos fans come watch us train in Brisbane. I think that was, Red Hill was basically full. You could barely get out on the field. Wow. Um, and then we went down to Sydney early and, you know, buses and we're down there for three or four days spending time with each other and training down there and um, all the fans that start to come out early and mm. they're staying in the similar hotels and around. You walk around Bondi Beach or Coogee, wherever we're staying and, you know, there's fans again, you know talking to you so the whole week grand final breakfast all those type of things it's just the whole build up of the week is amazing and obviously you know to get there on the end and win it in that final um, day is obviously what you, you know, do it for and, and then to come back after that to Brisbane do a little you know um, celebration with the fans again at the, at the stadium they had a um, little what do you call it platform there we were all on the, on the platform singing the song and had the trophy and it was, you know probably a couple of thousand fans at the training facility yeah. and all those experiences, the whole week, winning it and then, the, then coming home to the fans and celebrating. Queen Street Mall, we were on a couple of cars going yeah. through the mall, convertibles waving to the fans through the mall. It's just that experience. As I was 19. I was like, how good is this? If, yeah. I, I thought this must happen every year, you know, and you realise pretty quickly that's, that's not the case. You'd win a second premiership at a second club, the Dragons, in 2010. Different or similar in terms of personal satisfaction and enjoyment? Yeah, well, it was very different. I think I appreciated it a lot more and, yeah. and enjoyed it. I thought you know, I missed out for a couple of years in between 06 and 10 and realised that it doesn't happen every year. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, I got to play fullback as well at the Dragons, so I felt like I you know, um, contributed more to the team mm-hmm. being there and actually winning on the day as well. Um, so I felt more a part of it. But in saying that, you know, Brisbane being my home, I've always you know, loved being there. And to be able to say, you know, go down the history of being a part of that grand final and now to, you know, never win another one for Brisbane um, and I haven't won one since it's you know to be a part of that um, always hold, hold something you know dear to my heart but anytime you play team sport the you know, ultimate goal is to win the grand final mm. so those two always you know hold you know, some of the best memories in rugby league we are out of order a little bit but talking about the Dragons the move from uh, Brisbane to St George Illawarra a huge move for a, a young kid and a young introverted kid how do you look back on that now yeah, I'm grateful that I did take that opportunity. It was something that was forced on me a little bit. Um, the Broncos kind of just said, look, get had a contract for 2009. This was in 2008. Yep. Uh, I just played Origin at the time as well. Uh, they said, we won't re- re-sign you after that, so you might as well go now. Well, you're playing good footy, you're injury-free. Um, so I was quite shocked, and I know that's when I suppose I realised it is a business at the end of the day. That, um, you don't just get to choose where you want to play. Some some players are lucky enough to do that, and others get moved on. Mm-hmm. So Wayne just said, "Well, you know, come with me." It was later in the season. There wasn't really, I think, them and the Bulldogs were money opportunities. I think Sunny Bill just went overseas and left the Bulldogs at that time. So they were t- kind of my two options, and mm-hmm. obviously chose Wayne. And um, but looking back, I'm so glad I did it you know, for a number of reasons. Um, you know, out of my comfort zone, playing a different club, experiencing. That getting the chance to play fullback, you know, Carmichael's in Brisbane. Um, so there's a lot of positives, um, and yeah, really grateful that, that happened in the end. Was 2010 your best year, perhaps, in football terms? Premiership, accolades, form, Clive Churchill medal. Could that be the year that you look back on most fondly? Yeah, I think 2010, 2016, I was really happy with as yes. well in Brisbane. Um, back in Brisbane, did my Achilles the year before. Uh, obviously, like I said, the Broncos has been. 
my favourite team growing up since I was mm. probably six or seven years old. Um, played some pretty good footy through the year. Uh, finally got to play fullback for Queensland and Australia that year as well. And we went on a tour that year. We were just won, won the Origin Series, won all the Australian games as well. So those two are probably my you know, standout years. Um, mm. But yeah, really enjoyed my time at the Dragons. A great bunch of blokes. Um, you know, Wollongong's a great place. Lived down there yep. along the beach. Night along the beach. Got to you know, we played a lot of Friday night games. So flew home to the Gold Coast and Brisbane a lot. See my grandma and friends and different things. So yeah, those two are probably my two favourite years. This is the part of the interview we might get a laugh out of you. You obviously moved to the Dragons, then the Knights, uh, which we'll speak about shortly to play under Wayne Bennett. Yeah. Before we talk about your relationship with Wayne, what's the best Wayne Darius father son joke? or line or sledge you've heard. There has been some amusing ones over the years. Yeah, um, there's, there's a funny sledge actually, which um, I've told a few of the boys this, they always laugh, is that when I even played New Zealand in early days in, in Brisbane, it must have been 2006 or seven, so one of my first years, and uh, I was pretty nervous or you could say scared to play the Warriors. And Yeah. I don't know if I was marking Manu Vatavai, but um, yeah, obviously, you know, big Polynesian boys, they always run hard and... Uh, I was early in my career and yeah, probably a bit tentative is a nice way to put it, I guess. And <laughs> Wayne would always give a stat sheet um, at the end of on Mondays when you come back to training. Uh, everyone would get to see it. Everyone would get one and have everyone's name, all your stats and a little comment from the coach. Uh, and my comment was, um, I think I had five runs and two tackles. So I had seven efforts for the game. And he just said, do not deserve a shower with the boys. And I never forgot it because I was just like, you know, I'm Darren Lockie's reading that, Shane Webke's reading that, Petro, yeah. you know, Brad Thorne, all these greats and experienced players and this little young kid winger just was a bit scared and didn't do much. can't remember if we won or lost, but didn't deserve a shower with the boys. Um, it's something I've never forgotten. How do you describe your relationship with Wayne as we sit here in 2021? Well, it's definitely evolved over the years. You know, Wayne was definitely a mentor and was trying to really help me out in those early years. Yep. and. Probably didn't say boo and just nodded and said yes and um, gave him one word answers um, as I did to a lot of people. But um, yeah, I've, you know, like I said, I've grown in myself personally. I've learned a lot and now I feel like we have you know, more of a two way conversation, yep. asking each other about our families and what's going on and how we're doing. And, um, you know, we don't obviously. I don't play on him anymore, obviously retired, but uh, when he, even when he left Brisbane, mm. I wondered how uh, what would our relationship go to then and yeah, he picks up the phone a fair bit and I do the same and, um, and whether we talk about footy or ask, you know, how's South going or what's he excited about or, you know, Origin Series or you know, more, more so just talk about our families and what's going on with the kids and mm. uh, how he's doing. How big a help has he been? Yeah, he's been huge. He's... Um, Someone, like I said, probably didn't use enough. He was always there and willing yep. to lend a hand and yeah. give me great advice, whether it was you know, buying my first house or you know, have I checked in on my mum recently, uh, how's my grandmother doing, you know, all those things that he just cares about you as an individual and not actually anything to do with rugby league. Um, and then obviously on the, on the field, you know, I followed Wayne for two reasons. Was, you know, obviously, I wanted to be a um, better rugby league player and I thought he was the best coach to do that and he wanted me to be there, which is you know, always wanted to, you know, want to feel wanted and trusted. And Yes appreciated in life and any workforce but I always also thought I could be a better person under him and that's something that um, I said I probably should have used him up more he could have uh, made me a better person earlier than what I had to find out the hard way I guess but um, yeah a lot of fond memories of Wayne whether it was picking me in that 06 grand final and he could have picked other people yeah. um, taking me to the Dragons you know, lucky enough to win another comp with him uh, even go to Newcastle had some tough years there mentally and um, personally but I learned so, a lot, so much about myself and I got the help that I needed so I have a lot of 
um, gratitude for that experience as well. And uh, he brought me back to Brisbane where it's home. Yep. Uh, where I could finish my career, made me captain, you know. So there's so many things he's you know, done for me on and off the field that I really can't repay. We hope you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, podcasts like you've never heard before. Why? Because they're unfiltered. Make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Andy Raymond. Then you won't miss a thing. And before you go, we'd really love a five-star rating and review on whatever app you're currently listening on. It helps us grow as we continue to expand the unfiltered brand. Make sure you come back soon, legends. Legends.